I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in their exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Today we actually uh, shift a little bit in our journey of experiencing God because over the past couple of months we've been talking about experiencing God and what we individually must do to uh, grow in our relationship, to, to respond to God, to, to move through a crisis of belief, to, to make adjustments and then ultimately get to a point where we're being obedient and joining God where he's calling us to be. And today we're sort of, rather than focusing, us, focusing on us as individuals, we're stepping back and looking at us as a church and what does it mean for us as a church to experience God? And this has been a challenging week as I prepared because it's been challenging even for myself in the sense that it has changed some of the, I suppose, the way that I've looked at um, church. Not, not everything, not everything is thrown out, but there's definitely been some stretching involved even for myself this week. So it's going to jump straight into it today as we look at experiencing God um, as a collective, as a church, as the body of Christ. Well, first of all, what I want to start off with is defining the church um, and one of the greatest challenges for Christianity today is, is being able to walk with God and that the world will come to know him through our witness. That's, that's the goal, that the world will see Christ in us. And the thing is, when a church allows God's presence and activity to be expressed, then a community that is watching will be drawn to him. That is our ultimate goal as a church, that the world will watch us because we are following God so closely and the transforming work of God is happening in us. There is joy in our community, there's salvation, there is redemption, and the people will be drawn to that. <clears throat> and too often what's happened is that that is not happening in our world. We're, we're, we're functioning, we're running, but the world is not being drawn to God through us. And, and so I suppose that question is how can we be that kind of church? Well, the, first, um, the answer to that question we first need to come to understand it is, it is that we are in relationship with God and with each other. And again, relationship becomes this key. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later again. But relationship becomes this key which we build off. And so if, if you are struggling in your relationship with God, you will struggle in your relationship with those who are part of the body of Christ. It, it will, that, that'll be the flow on effect. 
If you are struggling in your relationship with God, you'll struggle to to see him at work and to hear him speak and to respond to him and to, to grow in faith and to adjust your life to him. That's, that's a problem. So relationship becomes this key component. I think a mistake many churches make is that they slide into being human-centered rather than being God-centered. I'm going to read out a few statements and I want you to think whether the statement is human-centered or God-centered. One, an effective church is built on strong leadership active participation of the lay people and good organisation. Sounds good, doesn't it? Like A church like that sounds like it's going places. Well, here's, here's another statement that sort of, I suppose, compares that. Christ builds his church through the Holy Spirit, empowered service of the pastor, other spiritual leaders and members of his body. Who builds that church? It's Christ. Now, the people are still involved, but Christ is the head of that. Secondly, a church is a group of people who have been effectively organised into an institution in a local community. We, we're doing that in our church. We're part of the local community. We're, we're organised. But again, there's a slight shift in the second statement. Jesus Christ gives life to the church, which is his living body. So again, we can be really well organised, but we can be so organized that we actually stop Christ from leading and for us to be alive as a church and moving as he wants us to do. Every church needs leaders and, and leadership boards to do the ministry. Or Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Four, church attendance is important to show our support for the organization. Sometimes we, that's why we come to church. I'm here to support the pastor. I don't want to be up there by himself. Um, I'm here to sort of um, to be, to be with others and just sort of a, a, a get, make sure there's a crowd there. But here's the flip side. And what this, this becomes such a great reason for attending church. Not because you'll be in trouble, not because people will think less of you, not because you think you have to, but for this reason. When the church gathers together, members experience God at work in the body through the lives of other members. And see, if that's a true statement for us, why wouldn't we want to be at church? I can't wait till we're back together for, for some of that church life, church community aspect to come alive again. Okay, finally. A church that's worthy and achievable goals uh, and members give their best to achieve them. That sounds like a good church because what we're trying to do is actually move forward and achieve things for God and, and we, we don't want to make them too big so become stretch on our, our resources. And, and the members are giving their best and so we've got to applaud that. But here's, here's the God-centered statement. A church watches to see where God is at work and joins him in his redemptive mission. It's a little bit more vague, but at the same time, it can be a little bit more scary because all of a sudden we could have structure upon structure. We could have um, what we're used to. We could have the status quo. And all of a sudden, God says, I want you to move this way. I want you to move out of that building and go minister in this community. I want you to do something sort of radically different. And all of a sudden we're going, but God, we've, we've got a system that works here. We've got worthy and achievable goals. But remember... God wants us to be in living in response to him. And the same thing applies to the church. What we need to understand is that being is more important than doing. Um, and what I, I mean by that, because some of you all straight away go, yeah, I'm, I'm happy just to chill out and just hang and to be myself and no expectations on me. 
Now, I'm not saying that so much because that can tend to lead towards laziness. I'm talking about the fact that sometimes we can get busy because busy means that we are, we are, we are actually doing something. We're, we're, we're busy for the sake of being busy because we can say to people, how have you been? I'm busy. I'm, I'm doing something. I'm actually doing something with my life. I'm doing something with my church life. I'm doing something in our community. We are busy. That means there's some kind of achievement happening. And the second thing that goes into sometimes busyness, we actually then build an idea of success that may not be godly. And the things that we measure all of a sudden may dictate what we do and don't do because what we're trying to do is actually to draw people in and we become attractive rather than transformational. We want people to sit here in the crowd and enjoy themselves. And, and that's not what we're about as a church. We are here to bring God's grace and transforming power to the world in which we live. And so if we, if we sort of base our um, doing on busyness and success, it can really, we can really move away from where God wants us to be. Um, but in saying that, God is, is more concerned about us being who we are meant to be in God. And, and that's our relationship with him. Pleasing God is far more important than doing something for God. Now, as I said before, it's not about not doing something, but it's in, in relationship with God, what it happens is that our, our perceptions are, are, are directed, our, 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 our desires, our faith is grown for what God is wanting to do, and all of a sudden we, we respond from our relationship with God with obedience, and so we end up doing exactly what God wants us to do. And I think sometimes we can get so busy doing something that we do a lots of something, but not the thing that God wants us to do. And this becomes a key. This has been a challenge for me this week as I've asked that question. Are we doing things as a church, maybe pre-coronavirus and post-coronavirus, are we going to be doing things that keeps ourselves busy or are we going to be doing the things that God wants us to do? Um, now, God may make us busy. I'm not saying he won't. But again, we need to keep that clear. Um, and, and so basically we want to get to the places we've been obedient that we want to join with him in the work that he's doing um, and, sort of, and it flows out of that and so being is more important than doing and so who does God want us to be? well firstly God wants his people to be holy and pure uh, 1 Peter 1, 14 to 16 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance but just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This follows up in, in Philippians 2, 14 to 16. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may, may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that you may boast on the day of Christ that, that I did not run or labor for nothing. You see in that, in that verse, all of a sudden, let's be blameless and pure children of God without fault, fault even though the, the society around us is crooked and depraved. And because of that, all of a sudden, we will shine like stars. Now, when we shine like stars, what we do, we actually reflect God's glory. We're actually giving God his glory. And again, as I said at the start, what we want to be is a church 
that is so in tune with Jesus that the world around sees it and is drawn to him. So when we shine like stars, we will draw people to God. Now, I don't mean Hollywood stars. I mean stars in, in that holiness sense. So God wants us to, his people to be holy and pure. God wants his people to display unity. In John 17, um, we see this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I give them, uh, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and they have loved me, loved them even as you have loved me. Here Jesus is praying for the church that was to come, which we are part of. So here Jesus is praying for us. And he's talking about this idea of unity and, and oneness. But again, we, we, in, in expressing this idea of oneness, he actually says, when they are one, all of a sudden people will see me. All of a sudden people will, will know that you've sent me. And, and, and so Jesus is saying, when they do that, they understand, people, the world will see who God is more fully. And God also wants his people to love each other. 1 John 3.11 says, This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Message from the beginning, really simple in, the, in its words, we should love one another, but at times maybe it's not seen in the church. Maybe instead of loving one another, we love ourselves too much. And we need to come back to loving one another and holding each other up in importance. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. That becomes so important in, in, in expressing love. It must be seen in action. So the call is here that we live in holiness, purity, unity in Christ and love. These then serve to provide the foundations and basis from where we can function effectively as a church together. Not only that, but it also serves to help us to come to know and do God's will as a church. So that is the de definition of the church. But what we need to understand is that God shapes the body. God shapes us as the body of Christ. A Romans 12, 3 to 5 says, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many, many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all others. And so as I said just at the beginning of this, we are the body of Christ. So when we talk about the defining the church, ultimately Christ gets to define who we are. And so we always need to go back to that. If we sort of want to sit around and saying, this is what we want the church to be, and I want the church to be this, and I want the church to be this, the question is wrong right from the, or that statement is wrong from the beginning. What we need to be asking is, Jesus, what do you want us to be? And some of that stuff is already said. God has already said, this is what I want the church to be. But on that local sense, we need to be asking Jesus about that. Um, we also need to realize that Jesus places us in his body. Now, I, I don't know if you understand how big that is. My brain's been able to 
focus on that a little bit this week, but that this is the idea that Jesus has actually attached us to a local body. That's where he's placed us uh, to connect in there, but he's also placed us in his body universal. Jesus has actually taken the time to put you where you are right now. And so if you start going around looking for, for, for churches, like make sure that is God leading you to that place. Don't sort of go look for something to meet your desires and your wants. Go to a place where God is placing you to be. And God may ask you to leave. I have known a few pastors who in time have seen people in their church and said, God has got a bigger thing for you and you need to move on. And I, I looked at that. I'm amazed at that saying, how, how would I be able to say that if, for people that were such an important part of our church? But that those pastors knew that God was calling them somewhere else and God actually had the authority to place those people where they needed to be. So he places us in his body. We need to remember at all times, Christ is the head of the body, which means he leads. I don't lead. We don't lead. We don't get a say above Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ disagrees with us, even if our whole church disagrees with Jesus Christ, he still wins. You understand that, don't you? Jesus gets the ultimate final say. And so in all our decisions, what we need to be doing is first going to Christ, last going to Christ, and in the middle, praying to Christ, to God is what we need to do. And too often we ask God to bless our plans rather than following through on God's plans. We actually belong to him. In that verse, it talked about that um, we are, each member belongs to all of the others, but we belong to the body of Christ. And in so doing, we belong to each other. And that, again, that's a, it starts to be a shift, especially because we like to live as individuals. God is saying the church doesn't revolve around individuals. It revolves around one body, which we are all part of. Which leads us to this last point in this section I want to talk about. To be the body of Christ, we need each other. I need you. You need the next person, maybe the person sitting next to you this morning. You might need the person who's watching in another place. We all need each other to be the body of Christ. I cannot be the body of Christ by myself, and neither can you. So if you think you can stay home each week and, and fill yourself with this, some religious or spiritual input, that is not what God is calling you to do. He is calling you to be a part of the body of Christ. He's calling you to be connected in and, 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 and using your gifts as God sees fit. Now, again, we'll talk about that in a second. So, so to be the body, we need each other. And, and this is, I suppose, I want to emphasize that point a little bit because the body needs the whole body. Now, just for a moment, I want to tell you a story. You're walking down a dirt road one day with, with scrub all around and up ahead your eyes see a train track. And then you say to your body, hey, let's walk down those train tracks. No trains in sight, should be safe. Next thing your ears say to your body, hang on a second. I heard a train horn coming from the other direction. The eye starts to argue. As far as I can see, there is no train on the track, let's keep on walking. So your body only listens to the eye and keeps on walking. Soon the ears say the horn is getting louder and closer. And then your feet speak up and say, I can feel a rumbling motion of a train coming. We better get off our body off the track. Now, I want you to ask you a question. If this was your physical body, what would you do? Would you get off the track as soon as possible? Take a vote 
of all your body members and let the majority rule? Would you try and ignore the conflict and hope it pass away? Or would you trust the eye and keep walking, say, my eye has never let me down yet? Now, this may be a silly illustration because we know that God has given us the various parts of our body with different senses to help us out in life. We find that when each of our body does its job properly, then the body works the way it should. But when there is an illness or injury in part of our body, the whole body suffers for it. So in our physical body, we don't take votes based on majority rules. We don't ignore conflict. Um, we, we do, nor do we choose to listen to only one part or sense of our body, ignore the others. It would be foolish if we did. And the same is for the church, because the church is the body of Christ. It functions at its best when we all share what we sense God wants um, the church to do and to be. A church needs to hear the whole counsel of God. And it's something I read this week, and it sort of amazed me, and I want you to understand that, is that you are part of the counsel of God for our church. You've probably never heard it before that. You've never sort of uh, held that position before, but you are part of the counsel of God for our church. God may say something to you that he does not say to me, and our whole church will benefit from what God is speaking to you as you share it to the whole church. And so all of that, all of a sudden, we come together and we, we actually input all of what God is putting into our lives as different parts of the body. We come together as a whole. It is when we do this that we can forge ahead in unity and confidence to do God's will. This is, becomes an important thing because if the body needs the whole body, if someone is out of action, if someone is um, not present, if someone is unwilling to be a part of the church and, and to, to be unified in something, all of a sudden we're missing parts of the counsel of God. And, and this is why it becomes really important in this understanding of unity that the body must move together. The church comes to know the will of God when the whole body understands what Christ, um, the head, is telling us. We should all be going to Christ and hearing from him so that we as the church can be fully informed to do what God is wanting us to do. You need to realize that every believer has access to God. I hope you've, you've picked up that, that God is wanting to speak to you as we've talked about experiencing God. And as God speaks to you, it will actually inform us as a church of, of, of where God is calling us. And, and the, the many ways God is speaking to us as individuals, as we come to a body, all of a sudden we have a clearer picture of what God is wanting us to do. And we are all needed as the, as the counsel of God to discern clearly God's will for his church. And so in this, we actually, the body must move together, but we must move together in the right direction. Again, imagine a physical body that was wanting to move in different directions. Um, sometimes, for those who can remember roller skating, sometimes that actually happens. You, you go around roller skating, all of a sudden you lose your balance and your feet go in opposite directions, your body sort of flails around, and the end result is disaster. It would be the same for the church then, wouldn't it? If we are unwilling to move together as God is calling us, we are going to cause ourselves damage. We actually also need to, a part of moving together in, in the right direction is moving in God's timing. And this, this one was, this was a stretching one for me this week. Because sometimes we are so focused on what we are wanting to do, even if it's a God thing, 
that we are not as concerned with actually doing it in God's timing. And because we are meant to move together as a church, and again, um, if you move ahead of, of the church, all of a sudden there's a stretching, a tearing, and it causes damage to the body. Now, at the same time, if you are a, an unspiritual anchor, now you may be a spiritual anchor, God has put you to say, hey, we need to slow down and think about this, good place to be. But if you become an unspiritual anchor saying, I just, I just don't want to do that, so I'm not going to. God is calling the church to go do this great new thing. I don't want to do it. I'm really stuck in my comfort. Then you actually become an unspiritual anchor. Now, God doesn't want that either because all of a sudden you are causing damage from the body on the other side. And so, again, this becomes important for us to be moving with God, our relationship with God, so that we can move with him together in his timing. But so direction, God's timing is, becomes important. Um, and this is the one thing that really hit me on this in God's timing is that we need to trust that God will guide the members of the body as he see fit. Now, again, when I say members of the body, I'm not sort of saying that someone's walked into church and all of a sudden they're going to dictate what we're doing as a church. I'm saying people that are committed to a local body of Christ and saying, I'm committed here, I want to follow God here. We need to trust that God will move them as he sees fit. If you're walking with God, I can trust God will move you and stop you when he wants, or I need to be able to trust that God will do that. And if you are close with God, if your relationship with God is distance, all of a sudden the issue is not getting you to move on a particular action. My focus then becomes is that you need to become closer to God so that you can hear him, so you can move as God wants you to move. And so all of a sudden our focus is not getting, getting our own way or doing something that we want to do. Our focus is that everyone will be in good relationship with God and moving as God sees fit. And so we, we look at direction, we look at God's timing, but we also then look at the fact that the, the body must work together. We don't work independently of each other. Um, again, physically that can happen at times, but you actually want your hands to work at the, at the same time. Otherwise, even simple things like clapping can be really difficult. All of a sudden you slap yourself in the face while you sort of pull your shoulder out because your body doesn't work the way it wants. And in doing that, as we work together, we actually complement each other. We're not all the same. We, we're not all called to do the same thing. Otherwise, there'd be one job done, another job never done. God complements us to actually so that we can serve as a body completely. And this is, this is really important. I want you to hear this next little point is that we can't do what God calls us as a church to do without you. If you think I don't have to do anything or if you think you can't do anything or if you're worried about what you should be doing and so therefore you sit on your hands and do nothing, all of a sudden, there is something that God is calling our church to do that we will not achieve. We will not be complete without you. So just as you are part of the counsel of God in our church, you are also needed for the body to actually work together. Now, imagine that, that the metaphor of the body again, and you're, you're like a, um, a knee, and you go, I can't, I don't know what I need to do. And so when the church goes to walk in the direction we want to go, all of a sudden we walk with a limp or we stumble and fall and it does damage to the body. And so it is important that we are each undertaking the role that God is calling us to and discover what that is. 
We must look to God as he equips and guides in our serving and realize it is he who gives the assignments. We don't come to church and say, okay, what job would I like? Again, we look to God for this. And one of the things that sort of strikes strikes me with this is that as I look back at the life of Wesley when he started really getting his mission focus going and, and sort of sending out lay preachers, again, his practice was initially that, well, men would go out and be lay preachers because that was how it worked. And then there were these women who were becoming converted and becoming uh, transformed and, and all of a sudden they were gifted and they were wanting to go out and be lay preachers and Wesley would say no. And it was his mother that got into his ear and maybe even into his face. Um, um, I'm not sure how, how much, but he, she basically said, how dare you prevent someone who God has gifted from serving in that way. It makes sense, doesn't it? If God has chosen someone to do something, we should train and develop develop them to go in that direction. And so it's not about how many years you spend in the church going, well, it's my turn to do that job now, or oh, this, is, this is my job, this is what defines me in the church. It is about God giving us the roles and the um, uh, uh, activities, assignments that he wants us to do. So how do we ensure that we function as God desires? Well, again, started a little bit like this today, started months ago in this way, but we need to ensure our own lives are right with God. That becomes this foundational aspect. Relationship becomes the key in all that we do. So I spoke about it in week one. Relationship was the key to experiencing God. Relationship, our growth in our relationship becomes a key in experiencing God in deeper ways. And it should be no surprise then for the church to function as we do, that God desires us to do, for the church to experience of God, it will come back down to our relationship with God. Right relationships with God are far more important than buildings and budgets and programs and methods and size or anything else. Relationships, um, right relationships with God become so important to all that we do. We may have plenty of money in the bank. We may have plenty of people in the seats. We may have like a a new building or new um, programs happening. But if we don't have right relationships with God, we'll end up being busy and successful, but we won't be the church that God wants us to be. Out of our relationship... God, uh, without a relationship with God, flow our relationship with others, which become a really important thing if we are to be a body. Now, if, if all of us are in right relationship with God, it makes it easier for us all to be in relationship with each other. And so if, if you are struggling to be in relationship with someone, the first thing I'd ask you to do is to check your relationship with God. Start there and then move from that. There may still be things that you need to work on in relationship with others. That's part of life. But if your relationship with God is not set, you're going to struggle. And this, again, this this was one of the things that struck me this week. God doesn't add members to the body accidentally. So we've talked about being part of the council of God, that we need you for the body to function as it, uh, it, it needs to, as Christ is directing us. But you are not here by accident. You are not here by accident. And so, you again, you might be wavering in attendance. You might be wavering in, in other things. But if this is where you say your church is, 
You are not here by accident. God has a place for you. God has a purpose for me, for you. God has assignments for you. God is saying you are part of this. God has a purpose in you being here. And so we need to realize as, as we um, desire to, to get to a place where we function as God desires us to do. And so that as a church, we begin to experience God. We need to understand this, that God builds the body to match the assignment and equips the body to carry it out. And so, again, we need to be collectively a body of Christ, being by led by him as our head. Understand that we need each one of us to inform our, our decision-making. I need you to show me more of God. Do you, do you understand that? I need you to show me more of God. What is speaking to you in your life? I need you for us to accomplish the work of the church. I cannot be the body of Christ by myself. And the thing is, God has assignments for our church that, again, we may not even know of them yet. But he will prepare the assignments for us. He will build the body so that we can achieve those assignments. And he will equip the body to carry it out. And I'm excited if we can be a church like that, again, we will be able to be directed as God sees fit. Excited, probably a little bit scary as well, because all of a sudden, maybe my dreams and plans are laid by the wayside, and all of a sudden God's dreams for this place become the reality. Now, I'm not sure if that scares you, but some days that does scare me. But it's a good scariness. It's, a, it's something that it brings about that excitement. It may be unknown, but again, I know that God loves us as a church. God knows what is best for us as a church, and God can accomplish what he desires for us as a church. And so I'm looking forward to us being back together as a church for some of this stuff to be happening, for hearing what God is doing in your life and how that is directing you. And I know church is not going to be easy for the foreseeable future, but again, we are meant to be, to be the church. We may not need a lot of the extra things. We need to be a church that is drawing people to God by the way that we live. And, and, and we need to be a holy people, a unified people, uh, and a people that love each other. And so I challenge you to, to ponder on that and to, to, to let God speak into those areas of your life today. Let us just pray. Lord, I thank you for um, time together today. I thank you for our church and for the people that make it your body in this place. Um, I am nothing without the body. I am nothing without you being our head. I, I, an individual Christian can do so little, but the body of Christ, led by Christ, can do so much. And I pray that we'd have a deeper understanding of that. I pray that it would become a reality for us as we move together, as we discern together, as we understand the importance that each one of us place in this, in this, in this church. And that... Again, you would move us on to the assignments that you desire for us as a church. Lord, make us ready to change where we are not considering change. Make us ready to give up things that maybe we hold dear, that we can control. And Lord, let us be ready to be obedient as a church. Just as we desire to experience you individually, may we experience you as a church in all that you do. And so Lord, I pray in the coming weeks as you restore the community aspect of church, that again, you would be speaking even now to the members of this body 
and informing us where you are calling us to go. I pray this in your name. Amen.